0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. I mean, it's going to be a work in progress. He's a big part of our team and a big part of that aspect of our team. You know, that was tonight the difference in the game. I thought it was pretty well contested, well-fought even game between two good teams and came down to special teams. They scored. I mean, it didn't get registered as a shorthanded goal, but pretty much was, and and then we had our chances and didn't score. You know, you get a 5-on-3 like that and don't score. It's Sometimes that can be trouble for you, and it ended up being that for us tonight.
1: You know, it's it's really interesting in sports, Dave, and uh, it is Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. I am Greg Linnelli along with Dave Mishkin. Steve Ersnick is producing. We'll be here for one whole hour taking your questions and giving you our feedback at Bolts Radio. It doesn't matter what sport. Dave it could be baseball it could be football it could be basketball that for the most part there's going to come a point in time where the game the game is going to be decided and in basketball it could be a team that goes on a pretty decent run and extends their lead and it could be a player that gets into foul trouble and your team's not able to overcome that football it could be a fourth in inches and you're able to to convert it or or you don't and the momentum swings and baseball the same way you could take a specific situation and and look at it and say you know what yeah that team had their chances but really in that third inning when they had bases loaded and no outs and they only scored yeah. one run when they probably should have had four yeah that that's probably where that game was won and lost and last night I, I thought was a pretty good example of of that particular situation. And the one that's going to stick out for everybody, you and Phil, were all over it during the broadcast, rightfully so. John Cooper spoke about it coming into the show today, and that was a five-on-three. Now, we understand, minus Nikita Kucherov, Dave, that your power play's not going to be as dynamic. But as Phil would tell you, you're dealing with professional athletes. A five-on-three at the NHL level, you should still feel pretty good that you're going to generate some decent scoring chances, and at least score one goal, especially one where you had a minute 35 to work with. This wasn't one that was 10 seconds, and you know you were kind of scrambling to, to get set up on the five on four. To me, that's probably where the game was won or lost. I think we can probably look at a couple of other scenarios in that game where maybe the tide turned, and I'll get to that uh, in a little bit. But I, I think when you take a look at The Lightning's inability to score five on three, for me that was a big deal. And then, of course, when they tie things up at one and then seconds later they give up a goal to make it 2-1, as you, Dave, often talk about, you know, that shift or that next minute after you score a goal or whoever scores a goal is so important for both teams. Those were two key moments in the game that, I think when we look at it and take a step back, we can say, yeah, that that's probably where it was won and lost. And, you know, the Panthers came out during those scenarios, um, the better team, and they ended up winning last night.
0: There were definitely a handful of signature moments in the game that tipped the balance. And the five on three was one. And the sequence immediately after Braden Point tied the game at one was another Uh, I think there there are a few things I'd like to to talk about relating to the game and the first of those is what you were just talking about with the five on three because I heard Jay Retcher on the last call and by the way I didn't realize or I didn't remember that you had handed the football off to Jay Retcher (laughs) for the last call (laughs) so your nights just got a little less late so I'm happy for you in that regard, although I will miss hearing you on the show with Brian Engblom, but, but Jay did a great job. It was the first time I had heard him with Brian yes. after the game, and he said that he either read or maybe he even did the research himself. Uh, he said in baseball that there's, uh, there's documented proof that if a team has the bases loaded with none out— no outs and they come away with either zero runs or only one run, they end up losing the game like 90% of the time. I'm probably not stating it exactly right. But you know, baseball is a sport that like they just, I don't want to say that they feast on stats. It's almost like their blood gets pumping the the stats help pump the blood (laughs) through the body of, of baseball. Like it's such a stat oriented sport. And they love stats. And stats can be used to great effect to kind of, you know, understand the game and and break down the game. And that's really striking. And, and Jay appropriately equated that with the missed five on three. Now, like, you're right. A 10-second five on three is different than a 90-second five on three. But I think at this point, enough people are talking about it that we should just call it the ESPO rule. Because Phil's the first person I ever heard say that. And... It's probably in that same range about 90%, 90 to 95% of the time, if you have a long five on three and don't score on it, even if it's early in the game, it seems like you end up losing the game. And it doesn't make a lot of sense because it's one little snapshot in a 60-minute game. There's a lot of other hockey to be played outside of that segment, but... It does seem to ring true time and time again, and it was true last night. So I wanted to give Jay his props right off the bat. Now wait a minute. I, I just want to uh, correct
1: you. You said Jay did some research. There's no way he did his own research. <laughs> that was given to him by somebody else. I'm gonna have to
0: I'm gonna have to yeah. ask him next that's time right. we see him. Go ahead. So all right, my first thought is the lightning really missed Nikita Kucherov. And maybe that's obvious to say, but They did okay for the half of a period in overtime without him in Washington. And they certainly did okay without him all of last year. And the power play did okay without him all of last year. By last year, I mean the regular season. They were at 22%. But maybe it's the fact that they have not had time to process how they are going to handle this. In other words, it's not like they entered the training camp last year and like Cooch is going to be out all year so let's let's build up our power play understanding he's not going to be there you know they had a practice and a morning skate to work on this since the Kucherov injury occurred and they looked very much out of sync So that's not an excuse on the five-on-three. You still have some high-skill players out there, and they actually had some some chances. They had three shots on the five-on-three. Knight was good, but all the shots were from long range, and there were no scramble plays in front. And if you're not going to score on a pretty passing play like slam dunk on a five-on-three, I feel like a lot of the times it's on those scramble plays where you may get a shot, but it's the second chance or the third chance that goes in because you have two extra players. Then the penalty kill side, you want to say the goalie's involved, fine, but the goalie can only do so much. Like the goalie can, can swallow the puck up if it comes close to him, but if it's outside the crease, the goalie is not really involved at this point in terms of like winning a puck and, and getting a, another scoring chance off or, or clearing it. And on the subsequent five-on-four power plays, the Lightning were very tentative and not decisive in moving the puck, unlike the Florida power play, which looked extremely crisp. I'm, I'm frankly surprised that they are now 0 for whatever. Were they 0 for 4 last night or 0 for 3? They were for 0-3 three last three. night. So they're 0-10 yeah. this year. Now, the goal that Montour scored was kind of a power play goal. Yeah, <laughs> it it happened one second. second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that basically was a power play goal. But even still, the way that power play was zipping the puck around, I'm frankly surprised they haven't scored more than, than just the one that came one second after a power play ended. We did not see that from the Lightning last night. And I think that ties directly to Kucherov. And it also affected the second unit because Colton is in a position on the second unit where he does handle the puck a lot. He's at that right circle, and this is a new situation for him. Now, it's not to say that the first unit without Kucherov and the second unit with Colton won't kind of get their sea legs here, and they're gonna have some time to work on it. It's probably not a bad thing that they don't have another game until Saturday, and, and they can spend some time trying to sharpen this thing, but I think it was evident last night that he was really missed on the power play, and I'm not saying anything or shattering here. I mean, everybody on the Lightning side did talk about that after the game. So I agree with all of the comments that the special teams were a huge part of, of the outcome, and the Lightning's power play specifically was adversely affected by plucking Kucherov out of there. Both units were affected. Here's where maybe I'm coming down a little differently from what I heard from from the players. I'm gonna to get to the signature moments in, in a second because I thought that those were really important. I'm hearing a lot about how five on five the lightning were happy with their game and, and they felt it was a fairly even game. I think the lightning had some fairly strong moments five on five in the game last night. I like their start up until they took their first penalty which, frankly, was early in the game, four and a half minutes in. But the, the opening four minutes or so, they had some jump. Remember, Corey Perry had that chance that, that Gutis swept, I wouldn't say off the goal line, but it was going in. He swept it out of the blue paint. I liked the end of the second period, which wasn't a huge length of time, but it was maybe a minute to a minute and a half where – they buzzed around the offensive zone. That was when McDonough's shot almost got through night, and he kind of reached behind him and, and swept it back in front and didn't know where it was, but Thornton kind of pushed it back to, to his goalie, and they got the whistle. And the Lightning's best sustained stretch of pressure was after the Barkov goal made a 2-1. They had a stretch of probably 7-8, to eight, maybe 9 minutes where they really tilted the ice. And in that stretch, they had nine of ten shots. So there were, of the next ten shots after the Barkov goal made a two to one, the lighting had nine of them. And that was when, in some ways, Knight was at his best. And that was probably when the Lightning were at their best five on five. If I'm if I'm being as fair about this as I can be, but they were also down by a goal in the third period. You figure they are going to press. And the Panthers are going to try and weather the storm a little bit and maybe wait for a counter chance, which is exactly what happened. They got a counter chance and, and scored on a two on one with Lundell, who had a great game, but but that, that goal made it three to one. So I'm saying, all right, I like their start and, and actually after the five on three even the end of the first period they were okay. I remember the line of Belmar, Radish and Kachuk had had a really good shift in that first period where where they had the puck in the offensive zone the whole time end of the second, middle part of the third. That's not an insignificant amount of time. But what I saw, Greg, and I think what Phil saw too was other parts of the game, the Panthers had the lightning spinning in circles. I mean, they did. From the power play they got in the first period, basically until the five on three, the Panthers really applied heavy pressure. Vasilevsky was so good in that first period. The second period, to me, the Panthers dominated that period. I mean, until the Lightning made their late push, I mean, I, shots, well, were, shots were lopsided, but scoring chances were even more lopsided. And they got the goal from Montour, but they were extremely dangerous throughout that period. They were crisp. They were moving pucks up and out. They wouldn't let the Lightning come out of their own zone. They themselves avoided turnovers. I really liked the Panthers' game last night. I thought that that was a complete performance from Florida. Here's the difference. I felt Florida had a complete performance from beginning to end, understanding that there were points when the Lightning did push. I did not feel the Lightning had a complete performance from beginning to end, five-on-five. No, and that's fair. I I think everything you just said was fair. And And I think some of the numbers that we're hearing about at the end, like Eric had in his article, you know, scoring chance numbers were close and high danger – I hate chances were close, which you know how I feel about. I'm that not stat. a big fan but, of that. Yeah. But even if at the end of the day you say these chances are close, I think the Lightning caught up a lot in that stretch in the third period. At the point when they were down by a goal yeah. in the third, I think you need
1: some context there.
0: That's I, I that's really exactly do. right. I think you need some context. That's exactly. I, right. I will I will say this though,
1: everything you said was correct, particularly in the second period. But Dave, I I forgot to mention because I, I was focusing on. The five-on-three missed opportunities. And then the Panthers' goal basically seconds after the Lightning tied things up to make it 2-1 as the biggest turning points. But, Dave, let's not forget in the second period – the Lightning had two breakaways yeah. and didn't get one shot off. I mean so, so so
0: so we've talked about some of the signature moments, but yeah, those are so, but, but I mean, those, those were two more signature moments.
1: Those are but but understand yeah. how big that is. So the, the Panthers are controlling play, but the Lightning had two opportunities. And yep. when I say clean looks, Dave, you're not gonna get cleaner looks than an extended five on three. And two breakaways. Some teams won't see a clean breakaway for three weeks. The Lightning had two of them in the same period within six minutes of each other. And not only did you not score, you didn't get a shot off goal. Steven Stamkos tripped, and Pat Maroon, I mean, bad puck luck, it rolled off his stick. I mean, so when we talk about opportunities, to me, this was a game, Dave. And look, they lost, so be it. I'm not going to get bent out of shape over the Lightning losing a game in October to the Florida Panthers. The Panthers were a better team. What I'm saying is, this is a game where if the Lightning found a way to pick up a point, even when they didn't play poorly, I probably would have said, you know what, Dave? I kind of came away impressed with how the Lightning, even though they didn't play their best, were able to find a way to get a point. Because I think we've seen that over the last yeah. couple of years, and they didn't. And am I and disappointed? And the last couple of games. Correct. Am I disappointed? I mean, it's hard for me to be disappointed again this early in the season. I'm. I'm a little. I don't even want to say stunned or shocked, but I'm a little surprised they weren't able to, after they made it one-one, to at least find themselves in a position where they're playing in overtime and picking up a point. Understanding that this is your biggest rival and that it is a point within the division that you could have accumulated. They didn't do that and so from from that standpoint I am a little surprised. But I think the lightning while I agree with you and the narrative will be and in, for, I I you know throw away the stats. I I you know you talked about baseball and and how nerdy and I'm going to use that word so I don't want to offend anybody <laughs> that's nerdy because nerdy is a good thing at times. Baseball's become very nerdy and I think it's one of the reasons why it's become a turnoff for a lot of people in addition to how long it takes to play. But I think you're starting to see a lot of analytics seep into hockey. I think I feel like that's the next sport behind the major four that really looks at analytics. And I, I think it's flawed in many ways because there's constant motion. It's really hard to to look at it without getting some bigger context within the game when you're evaluating these stats. So I try not to look at it. I think if anybody looked the looked at that game with their own eyes, the, the old eye test, which never fails me, Dave. I think you looked at it and said, yeah, I thought the Panthers were the better team. And yeah. You can show me all the stats you want.
0: And that includes five-on-five five play. And that includes five-on-five. At five least on to five.
1: me. But yeah, what right. I'm saying is to you I, and, and to our audience out there, and I, I want to see if they agree at Bolts Radio, when the Lightning did have some chances in this game, not only did they fail to take advantage of them, they were prime scoring chances. And I think that's the part, that was a little surprising for me. You give the Lightning two breakaways in a game, I, regardless of who's taking them, you feel like you might be able to score on one of those. And then on a five on three for over 90 seconds, you probably feel pretty good, even without Nikita Kucherov, that they're going to get one goal. So the fact that they didn't get a goal on either occasion, that might just be the hockey gods looking down at Tampa Bay and saying, not your night. Or it could just be the Tampa Bay Lightning not executing. Or let's give credit to the Panthers, which sometimes I know a lot of people fail to do. Give credit to the other team. I mean, Well, Spencer they didn't Knight have anything to do with the
0: failed breakaways. Well, they the gave up did. the breakaways They're... and then the yes. Lightning yes. fumbled the puck.
1: That's where the bad puck luck. But I'm yeah. saying on the five-on-three, all right, you want to give credit a little bit to Spencer Knight uh, for making some saves? Sure. I think, what, they had four shots, Dave, on the five-on-three total? <laughs> Uh, three. They three. I think they had three on the five on three. Okay, so they had three on the five. So, I mean, not as many shots as you'd like to see when you have that much of talent on the ice. Yeah, a minute 34. P- point being, 35, I yeah, guess. it was a minute 35. Point being, uh, the Lightning, yeah, they didn't play well or particularly well for long stretches in this game. And the Panthers, if you were to look at it objectively, they deserve to pick up these two points. But in sports, sometimes it does come down, to go, to go to my point earlier in the show, it does come down to a few plays here and there, and the Lightning actually had those plays designed, I think, to be in their favor, Dave, and they didn't convert, and I think because of that, just the way the game unfolded, the better team, I think, won, but it wasn't because the Lightning didn't get chances, they just didn't do anything with those chances, and I think you know, for me, that's that's how I looked at it. But those breakaways, really, yeah, that stood out for me. I, I don't care who's shooting them. Um, you know, Pat Maroon, we've seen. Force the
0: kids. goalie to make a save.
1: Yeah, I mean, Pat Maroon's got really good hand, And you, you could see what Pat Maroon was trying to do. I yeah. mean, the puck just rolled off his stick. And then the one with Stammer, I mean, I, it just tripped. I, I don't know what else to tell you. It just tripped. And, um, you know, if that happens again in a game, I, I'd like to think, A, the Lightning at least get the shot on goal. And, B, they score at least on one of those occasions. It didn't happen. But three occasions in that game that stood out, and the Lightning came up empty on every one of those, and it was a bi- it was probably the biggest reason why the Florida Panthers, in addition to some other things, won that game last night.
0: Yeah, see, you're looking at the the signature moments from an offensive perspective for the Lightning, which I would include those, but I would also include a couple of defensive moments. So my signature moments that I thought were were key significant. Points in the game, the Gudis play, where Perry—that was a rare breakdown by the Panthers—and was Barkov's line. Barkov chased, was it point behind the net or plot? I think it might have been point. He chased point behind the net, which allowed Perry to to basically be wide open in front, and Knight got a piece of it, and then Gudis kept it out. That's one nothing early. That's a that's a big moment for the Lightning. They haven't had a lead in a game yet this year, Greg, other than scoring to the win preseason. the game in overtime.
1: Did, did they have one in the preseason where they scored first? I well, say. right, but yeah, I, I'm saying yeah, they've I allowed the, the first goal in yeah.
0: every game this year and in right. six of seven preseason games. But not only have they allowed the first goal in all four of their games, they've not been able to play with a lead. The two games they won, they never led until they won in overtime. So that goal had it gone in for Perry, which it didn't, would have given them a lead, and I think that would have helped them for sure. So that was a big play. The five on three for sure, and I think we, we broke that down. And look, there were some big plays that the Panthers didn't convert on. Like Lundell got a breakaway right after the, the five on three ended, mm-hmm. and that would have been a huge goal for the Panthers, and Vasilevsky made the save. Lundell did get his breakaway shot on net, and Vasilevsky made the save. My next kind of big signature moment was the Montour goal. So the Lightning are five seconds away from killing off a penalty. And it's a final faceoff. And you got a 20 year old rookie taking on Belmar in the faceoff circle. And one thing we've talked about with Belmar, like his ability to win key faceoffs is going to be a really important part of the Lightning's narrative this year. That's a big faceoff. You win that draw, get it down the ice, penalty over, no damage done. You get through the kill. It's still 0-0. You're in good shape. Lundell had a heck of a game. I'm not not taking anything away from him. But if you have a faceoff matchup between a veteran guy who excels at faceoffs, and another guy who is a highly touted prospect, but he's playing his third NHL game. Like, I think you would expect that what happened wouldn't have happened, which is Lundell won the draw, and Reinhardt fed it cross ice, and the Lightning were unable to get over on Montour, and he shoots it in. Yeah. That was a huge play. Because even though it was it was technically not a power play goal, those hurt when you yeah. basically get through a kill and you still allow a goal either like with a couple of seconds left on it or right after it ends. Those are those are stinging goals to allow, and it happened because Lundell won the face off and the lighting didn't react quickly enough. To get over and prevent Montour from getting an open look, you know, kudos. To so that was that was a signature moment.
1: He showed up last night. He, I mean, he look. He's you and Phil talked about him in the broadcast. We happened to see him during the prospect tournament. He might have been the best player in that tournament. He was really and good. in the preseason, like we saw. Yeah, him there. in the preseason. he was better last
0: night though than he was in the. preseason. Yeah, I felt like
1: he was very noticeable last night. He got some yeah. chances, and Dave, as you said. That was a clean face-off win, which I mean, yep. you don't see that often. I mean, everything they did on that play, they won decisively. Then the pass over to Montour, who beats Vassy shortside. I mean, that was a great shot. Yeah, that was a. I mean, you know, do you want to? Say yeah, Vassie I mean, have had it? that's that really one.
0: I, I would also say like Vassy tried to catch it and and it seemed to cross him up a little bit. Yeah, that was that was one maybe you'd like to see Vassilovsky get a piece of, but. His role in the goal being scored was farther down in the list than some of the other stuff. Yeah, I would agree that had happened. yeah you have the, that. He was then you have the two breakaways. yeah, I know for sure. I think both happened after the Montour goal. So the lightning had a chance to tie it on both of those. no shots. And then, I don't know if this is the most important. It's probably not the most important, but it was really, really important and that was after points goal the panthers came out like a team that was ticked off that they felt they had been controlling the game game in control for them doing a lot of good things they were up they deserved to be up they probably felt they deserved to be up more by more than by one goal even though we've talked about the lightning squandered some opportunities and now it's 1-1 And they had fire coming out of their noses on that next shift. And that is why the shift after a goal is one of the most important shifts in a game. Because the team that scored it is hungry to score again. And the team that got scored on is ticked off and they want to get that goal right back. And who's going to win that tug of war? You have to be as ready as you are ever going to be ready on the shift after a goal. Some coaches, if they can, if the unit's not tired, they have a specific line they will put out after a goal, for or against, for that reason. That is how important the shift is after a goal. I know we talk about it a lot on our broadcasts. But without belaboring the point, the Panthers... Dominated with a capital D the two shifts after the point goal. They sent out the Bennett line, yeah. brought it in, controlled it in the offensive zone. There was a shot from the point from Forsling that Vasi stopped. It was through a screen. I'm, I'm am- not amazed. He's Vasilevsky, but like that was an, a very tough save. He made it. There was a rebound, and the Lightning were in front. They were trying to tie up sticks. I think Bennett actually had a second shot that they counted as a shot block. So a Lightning player got in the way of it. And the Lightning did a fairly good job right there tying up sticks so it wasn't a clean second chance. But it was super dangerous. Like, that was a scary sequence. So Vasilevsky gets the whistle. Now they send out Barkov's line. And that line just picked up right where Bennett's line left off. The Lightning, I think, managed one clear... And they brought it, the Panthers brought it right back in. And then you had, you know, fumbleitis in front of the net for the Lightning. Guys kicking pucks, unable to settle it down. Vasi makes, like, a couple of incredible saves. Barkov misses an open net right before he scores as well. Verhage has a spinorama backhand that Vasilovsky stops. No one can settle the puck down. And it skips through to the other side of the crease. And Barkov slams it in. I mean, right there, those two shifts tell you which team was dialed in at one of the most important moments in the game and which team wasn't. To me, it was more about how impressive the Panthers responded, honestly, because they came out like they were fire-breathing dragons on those two shifts. And you could see it. You could see it. We'll talk more about that as well. I'm a little surprised the game didn't...
1: I don't want to say get nasty with fights, but I, I, I felt, and I said this to Chief, I felt like, I mean, it, it might have been just a clean game. There wasn't a lot of extra stuff going on. And maybe that's just, you know, Florida said, look, <laughs> we don't want to get caught up in that. We know their mind is Kucherov. Let's not give them any life to maybe, you know, eke out a point. Sometimes the game just, that's how it, it goes. But I, I'm just, I was a little surprised we didn't see more of that. Because I actually think... That may have helped the Lightning a bit more than the Panthers, and that's hard to quantify, but uh, I I was a little stunned we didn't see more of the extra stuff that goes on in a game between those two, but I I understand uh, not every game is going to be the same. But we'll talk about those line combinations when we return. We also have some tweets coming in that we want to get to as well. What did you make of the game last night? What about line combinations for you when it comes to the Lightning. We have a couple of questions on that. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Lenelli. It's Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.
0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app.
1: Yeah, you don't usually win too many games when you don't capitalize on, on a
0: five-on-three,
1: especially for that amount of time. So, listen, it's no secret we're missing one of the best Power Play guys on, on the planet right now. Our first game, we got to work some things out. We're, we're not you know, panicking over it, but it's gonna just take some time to adjust. We did it last year, but we had some time to to prepare. So guys are just gonna, you know, get into some spots and there's gonna be some guys moving around a little bit and we'll work on that. So Steven Samkos there. It's a different team, guys. You know, I, I know a lot of people were looking at it and saying, you know, they they dealt with Kucherov, his injury last year and they did pretty well. You, you know, you're you're right, they did. And, you know, maybe mentally it's not going to be as big of a hurdle. But, you know, physically, let's be very clear. Physically, this isn't the same team. I mean, you don't have that Yanni Gord line to rely on to pick up some scoring. I mean, as I often said, Dave, about that third line last year, in addition to what they did defensively and how gritty they were, you had two former 20-goal scorers on that third line. And you can call it the second line if you want to. Some people like to to be cute and and say it was their second line, really. And and whatever, however you want to describe it, you had two of the three guys who could fill the net at times in this league pretty consistently. And they replaced them with guys who can do it, but maybe not to the extent or as frequently as Gord and Coleman did. Doesn't mean those guys won't be effective. But I think this is going to be a process. And it doesn't mean they can't win the division. It doesn't mean they're not going to get into the playoffs. It doesn't mean that they're going to struggle all year. But in addition to losing Kucherov, you also have some changes personnel-wise in that lineup that guys are working through. It's going to take Kachuk and Radish, I think, some time, Dave, to feel comfortable. And it's going to take a guy like Perry, um, more so than I think Belmar, to find his niche on this team. And, you know, even Pat Maroon, who may be elevated to a, a little bit bigger of a role when you start talking about where he's going to play and how many minutes is he going to play compared to last year. So I, I think you factor that all in. It's a team that has a championship pedigree, but it also has some new faces that are trying to work with that championship pedigree. And I think it's going to take some time, and I think Steven Stampco said it right there. And we saw John Cooper, not a surprise, Dave start to switch up some line combinations last night to look for a spark and to see if to see if anything sticks.
0: Yeah. Now, he moved Stamkos onto the line with Point and Palat, and particularly into the third period, they were extremely dangerous. Stamkos had a great night in the faceoff circle, too. Yeah. He went 14-4, and and he was winning a lot of offensive zone faceoffs. So, that line did well. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that as a line going into the next game, understanding we got a couple of days before the team plays again. So once he swapped Stampkos and Perry, he didn't swap them. Stampkos took Perry's spot, and then Perry went back onto the line with Colton and Maroon. They had been a line prior to the Kucherov injury. And then Matthew Joseph took Stamkos' spot with Sorelli and Kalorn, and they have played as a line before. We saw him a little bit in training camp, as a matter of fact, as the line. And I thought those line combinations probably gave the Lightning their best stretch of hockey five on five. It also coincided with that segment in the third period when it was two to one Florida, when the Lightning applied a lot of pressure and they were rolling those lines in that way. I like the Belmar-Radish-Kachuk line. I thought that was Taylor Radish's best game so far this year. He had a role on one of the penalty kills where he was – like, what do we say about Radish? And we, we actually quoted John Cooper about saying, you want to notice him. I felt we noticed Radish last night. He was very noticeable on that penalty kill. He was getting in the way of the Panthers. He made three or four good plays to, to break up plays, and you know he got some pucks down the ice. I thought he was engaged five on five as well. He and Kachuk have chemistry together. They do. They they've kind of been linked since their junior hockey days because Radish, remember we talked about Radish, he played in Erie, and his first year was Connor McDavid's last year in junior hockey and And Radish played with Dylan Strom and Debrinkit and Erie and Sorelli and Chernak. And like they had some great teams there. But his last year in junior hockey, talking about Radish, he was traded from Erie to Sault Ste. Marie. And Kachuk was on Sault Ste. Marie. And that team had a good playoff run that year. And they were on the same team. And then they turned pro the next year. And they have been they have been teammates in Syracuse ever since, and they were together on I mean, should we call it the taxi squad or the black aces or whatever? The extras, they were together during the Lightnings playoff run last year. So again, I, I confess, I don't know how often they played together in Syracuse, but the fact they were the top two scorers would would lead one to believe that yeah, you know, they're not unfamiliar with each other. Certainly, <laughs> they've been teammates for a long time, and and I thought that line looked looked pretty effective last night. Again, limited ice time. Kachuk played 8:45. Radish played 8:48. And Belmar was a little more because he saw the regular penalty kill shift 11:45.
1: It's funny you mention that because Lucas weighed in. This was yesterday. We didn't get to it. He said, "Greg can vouch for this. I've been dying to see the Sue Greyhound dynamic duo play on a line with the Bolts. I hope it happens tonight. They're on the same line with Belmar practice. Yeah. So he's kind of echoing he knew the history. Saying. Yeah, he does. So that that makes sense. And you know what, Dave? Those lines that you mentioned, there's familiarity, isn't there? I mean, Joseph has. An idea of, of what to do with Sorelli and Kuhl. Remember, we, we talked about Joseph a bit yesterday. At least I did. I mean, I I don't know if he's a top six. I think his skill set is intriguing enough where when I look at everybody who could fit in that role, I'm inclined to give it to Joseph just because of the speed. And I think, you know, there is some offensive upside there. I don't think you're going to put one of those younger players up in a top six at this point. I like post with points and Plot. At this moment with Kucherov being out. I think Stamkos becomes a shooter. I think that's what he does best. And again, that's that's a perfect scenario. I, I, I understand sometimes that doesn't happen. Also gives that line to good faceoff guys. And I, the third line. Look, Maroon loved talking about playing with Corey Perry in the preseason. And how, whether it was on the power play or on a line. There's some familiarity with Perry and Colton. And then I think the fourth line is just you mentioned the two younger guys who have a little bit of chemistry. You, you factor in Belmar, who's the ultimate professional there who you know can show those guys the ropes in becoming a professional, also maybe a fourth liner and, and what it takes. I, I agree with you. I think that's their best line, and I wouldn't be surprised or b- their best line combinations with, with Cooch being out. I would not be surprised if not only do we see that on Saturday, Dave, But if we see it for longer stretches, just to give them an opportunity to get their feet going.
0: Yeah, I mean, the way the game finished, I think I I mentioned this, that maybe outside of those couple of shifts where, you know, the Lightning struggled after the point goal. The third period was the Lightning's best period. And who knows maybe if if the line combinations had looked like that earlier in the game and and Coop's trying to figure this out so i mean look he he tried something felt we need to switch things up he switched them up and and i thought the lighting got more in sync they got more into a rhythm with those combinations there's no reason to believe that we won't see them keep those combinations at the start of the next game but coop has to keep seeing positive trends Yes, and and positive outcomes, and out and outcome doesn't mean like a goal every shift, but you know positive play from these combinations, or else you're just going to switch them up again. And and that was the other point that I wanted to make. With with Kucherov's absence, felt not only in the power play, like figuring out these new line combinations, which the Lightning were in the process of trying to figure this out anyway, with Kucherov in the lineup. It's just that the line with point Kutrov and plot was the one constant, right? And then there was some experimentation with the other lines. Now you take Kutrov out and, and you're really putting the lines in a blender and, and figuring out what works. And, and I don't think that that was an insignificant part of how the game went yesterday.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think there were points when the lightning were swimming upstream some of that was tied to the fact that the guys were were getting acclimated to to maybe some some new line mates
1: yeah
0: that's a guess on my part, but could be certainly certainly once they settle on the combinations that were there at the end of the game, the lightning looked like I said more in sync.
1: Al says the better team won last night. The lack of intensity and puck watching was pretty evident. Aging veterans, not the answer. 0 for six on the power play and two no shot breakaways says it all.
0: But he crammed a lot into a tweet there. Al's didn't got he? a lot to say. He liked yeah, with- I I don't know about the intensity. I I so when I wrote my extra shift, I almost started with this thought that. This was far better than the Lightning's other home loss. Like this anything, was nowhere this was been better. Yeah, this <laughs> was nowhere close to as poor a performance as what we saw on opening night. Cuz they were off in just about every category on that night. They were not off on every category last night. But also they they played a team that first of all We've talked about the Panthers. Like They are an elite team, and they are dialed in right now. They are focused on taking a big step this year. They are extremely motivated. They are so encouraged by where they were last year and how far they came last year, and they, they see a potential to go even farther this year, and they look like a team that's playing with that swagger. And not to take anything away from the Penguins, you were telling me some of the the Penguins were a little bent out of shape when Coop made the comment afterward that you know the the Lightning played so poorly that they would have struggled against Pittsburgh's farm team or however. There was a be, there was it. a
1: belief there from reading some of the newspapers that the <laughs> Lightning head coach did not give the team that beat him maybe enough credit i didn't take it that way i didn't but take that either anyway and, you know whatever the
0: panthers are legit and they played really well last night so even had the lightning not had these issues with like figuring out how to adjust in Kucherov's absence and and some dips in play like that would have been a tough game the panthers are a really good team But to Al's point, I don't think lack of intensity was was part of the equation last night. I think there may have been, at points, some tentative play, some indecisive play. But part of that was forced by the opponent. And part of it maybe was guys trying to get in sync with these new combinations. And for sure, the power play was tentative in that they did not move the puck as, as quickly and decisively as they would had Kucherov been out there. And by comparison, when you watch how the Panthers move the puck on the power play, they were zipping it around with great confidence and creating dangerous looks as a result. The lightning didn't show that on the power play, but I don't think that that was due to a lack of intensity. And maybe I'm I'm parsing words here, but... They competed last night. I don't think that was, that was an issue. They've, no, competed, they've competed hard every night since opening night.
1: And, you know, and honestly, I, it, to me, this has nothing to do with aging veterans. I would, I, I'd push back on that. Uh, Perry's had a couple of really good scoring chances just about every game for the Lightning, especially the last couple. He just hasn't scored. And, uh, you know, Pat Maroon, if, if that's another aging veteran Al's talking about, I don't, don't want to put words in his mouth. I mean, Maroon's been fine. The lighting aren't really that old. I mean, you know, Stamkos is coming off uh, one of the three stars, and uh, for the week in the NHL, yeah. uh, the one timer looks there. Right? Look, keep in mind too. You know, Stammer talked about this. I mean, this was really the first time he's felt healthy in camp in a while. I, I give him some time to to really build off of that. Yeah. So I I I think it's a, it's like again, you're not going to hear a lot of panic. folks. If we weren't panicking the last two years when the lighting at times had dips or You know, maybe they were struggling in the playoffs at some point against a specific team. If we weren't panicking by then, I don't know if we're going to panic this year. I've told you before, for me, barring a collapse, this team will judge, like any elite team, on how they do in the playoffs. And we're going to go through peaks and valleys here with this team because it's a different team. But that doesn't mean they're not a playoff team. They've got to find their own identity, just like any other team, Dave. There's going to be changes. It's why the salary cap in many ways was created not to give one team a huge advantage uh, financially over others, but, I mean, you were going to see every year constant changes, and it it puts pressure on teams to draft and develop, and and the Lightning found that out last year or this year when they had to move on from some guys. So you're going to see constant changes. It's going to take even the best teams some time to figure out what they have, but their core is still in place, even with Kucherov being out. Yeah, there's not going to be a ton of panic. I guess is what I'm saying from us.
0: Well, and and like, how do we assess these first four games? We're just still a really small sample size yeah. at this point. But are we are we waiting more the two losses than the two wins? Probably because they played, and 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 that's not right. I don't think that we should wait the two losses more than the two wins. I think we were very clear-eyed about how they played in washington they had a great performance in washington a great performance against a really good team did you see washington lay the hammer on colorado last night yeah they laid the hammer on them first period shots the caps were up i want to say two to one after one i think shots were like 19 to six capitals Now, maybe the capitals were annoyed that they had lost the previous game to the lightning and they took it out on colorado and you can see that over the course of a regular season sometimes but like that's a quality win the lightning had against washington in a game in which they outplayed the capitals agreed so that's one of the four
1: well and let's not get caught up to your point Four games into the season, the Lightning have had a couple of impressive right. wins, and they've had a couple of ones that you'd said, "All right, you know what? Yeah, you know, the, the home opener—that is what it is." You know, yeah. the, the game last night, you lost to arguably, arguably the best team in the Eastern Conference. It's fair to say.
0: And and a team that right out of the gates looks like they have all of their pieces in order. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the Panthers don't look like a team that is trying to kind of get some questions answered at this point. They're like, we're ready. We're ready to go. Let's go. Open the gates. Let's play. And there are a lot of other teams. And I think the Lightning are in this boat for for reasons we've talked about at length on this show and, and during the game broadcast. The Lightning are trying to kind of figure things out, like deal with some significant departures. The Panthers did not have any significant departures. In fact, they just basically added, right? I mean, they made a trade. They traded Lamico, who was a depth forward, but they got a guy in return. But, you know, they added Reinhardt. They added Joe Thornton. They have Kierstead, who's in their organization, who's played a couple of games, and 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 Oli levy who didn't play last night he's the guy they got from vancouver but you know basically everybody was on their their roster last year in the playoffs is back it's just that guys like lomberg are now squeezed out of a out of a lineup spot because you know they've added some they've added some other guys but they didn't really lose that many players and in fact they got ekblad back who wasn't healthy last year right so they are in a different boat than the lightning and Frankly, most of the league, really, as we look around the league, you know, most teams have had some change and they've had some departures that they need to address. And it's gonna take a little bit of time. I think what we said after the Lightning rallied to beat Detroit in a game where they played much better than against Pittsburgh, but they were not perfect, particularly defensively, that's a problems. The key is to like try and figure out your game, but get points along the way. And to this point, they've gotten points in, in two of the four. They're two and two, which is a lot better than where Montreal is right now okay. or some other teams. So let's see if they can continue doing that as they try and, like, the macro picture is get your game in order and and figure out, like, how you're integrating these guys in so that you can get more in sync and now dealing with injuries, not only Kucherov, but Bogosian too. But at the same time, get some points. Like, keep yourself in the mix here in the standings so that you're not forced to to really play catch-up once you get into the second half of the year. And so, like, at this point, four games in, it's only four games. But, you know, the Lightning are 2-2. Two two, so, I mean, they've gotten some points. But I think we would be remiss if we didn't say, like, yeah, they they need to figure some things out. And they especially need to now that Kutrov is going to be out. Yeah. But I think the Panthers are in a different boat. And it showed last night to me, anyway.
1: It did. And there's nothing. And they added Lundell, too. They did. There's nothing. A highly touted prospect. Losing to the Panthers. And as we said at the beginning of the show, even though the Lightning probably weren't the better team and the Panthers deserve those two points, it's not like the Lightning didn't have chances in that game. No. And they did. They didn't capitalize. We have seen the Lightning not play their best, Dave, and come away with points. Hockey has a, a way of ironing those things out and writing the ship, so to speak, throughout uh, throughout its its course of a season. But it didn't happen last night. We're not going to sit here and... And, and panic and, and lose sleep over this question comes from Jason. It, it trickled in yesterday. We didn't get to it. Do you know why the Bolts kept two bottom six guys for one slot instead of keeping Barry Boulay, top six depth? Did Barry Boulay digress that much? Do they see Radish as a top six guy in the future? Well, those are
0: questions for the general manager.
1: So I mean, does he want me? To yeah, answer I mean, manager? like
0: I, the way I would answer it is. Based on camp, preseason, the feeling was, and we saw it not only in terms of who made the team and and who was put on waivers and who was sent to Syracuse, but also in terms of who played the last couple of preseason games, Radish and Kachuk outperformed Bari, Boulay, and Ryfors. Yeah. But that's me speculating based on information we now know right like while it was going on we were all over the map greg because we're not in the general manager's office so i think that on on some level those questions are unanswerable without heavy speculation on our end
1: before we sign off we should say and this came down yesterday i think it was just a matter of uh, formality dave cap friendly's tweeting this out um a little bit ago, they said Tampa placing Kucherov on long-term IR and upring their salary pool by $9.5 million does not mean that they can go out and acquire active players totaling that amount. They would need to get back under that amount once he's ready to return, which sounds like it could be a few w- in a few weeks. But what Tampa could do with that space is acquire a player who is currently injured and also LTI eligible and who won't be back for the regular season. Tampa could fit such a player under the cap place them on long-term IR, and then activate them in the postseason when there is no cap.
0: So Cap Friendly tweeting about the Kucherov <laughs> yeah, situation, that's, that's, that's very confusing. That's, well, what I was going to say is, why did Cap Friendly feel that they needed to make that statement after the Kucherov injury? Because not just Tampa Bay, any team could do that, right? Sure. Any team could make a trade for a player who's going to be injured for the rest of the regular season. I think we know why they made the comment, though, about that particular wrinkle in the long-term injury. Number one BS, Dave. Number yeah. One BS. <laughs> the long-term injury rule after Kucherov went on LTIR. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, like, with with Kucherov going on LTIR, Cap Renly announced that... The internet has exploded.
1: <laughs> well, it, it <laughs> probably has. I mean, it, it, you know, when uh, when that news hit, I, I saw media members from different parts of uh this country start weighing in on oh here we go again with the lightning. I mean it's just you know it is what it is and that's we kinda covered of that the other day. We did have one last question. Al uh snuck another one in he, he wanted to know about future considerations when there's a trade because he talked about Spencer Martin Dave uh, and when he was dealt in the off season and he said it was for future considerations. Said, what <laughs> <Yeah>. exactly <laughs> does that mean? When when will we know about future considerations? What is that return? I wrote him back I said I mean I, I that will consider
0: answering his question <laughs> at some point in the future Future.
1: Yes. Um, I said that could be anything. It could be cash. It could be a prospect. It could yeah. be a, a late draft pick.
0: It's not yeah. usually detailed. Yeah. Sometimes, like, Elliot Friedman will, will, like, dig up what the future considerations might be. Or, like, um, it's framed differently. But, like, let's say a player is traded and it's going to be, like, a fifth round pick unless. Like, that's a conditional. That's a conditional gotcha. pick. So, like, it's a fifth-round pick unless the player plays X number of games, in which case it becomes a fourth-round pick. The future considerations, though, we don't often hear specifically what that yep. is. But I think you're right. It may be in, in the the department of cash. It's usually not for, like, an actual player asset no. or a draft pick.
1: Maybe it's for Danik Martell. <laughs> just to bring up his name. I just wanted to use his name because why wouldn't we end the show with Danik Martel? All right, uh, partner, great job as always. We'll do it again tomorrow. Let's see, what? Tomorrow's Thursday, so Lightning don't play until Saturday, so we've got a couple of yeah. days here. Maybe we'll, we'll have we We'll try a and get a guest, maybe. Yeah, get some um, updates on the Lightning where they are through four games, but uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. Appreciate it. Talk Thank to you me. tomorrow. Thanks to Steve Versnick as well. Thanks to you for listening. We always appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow noon to one on Lightning Power Play.